Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. County Executive Mark Polonkars. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Joe. Glad to be here. Now, I know you've answered this question now every time you've been asked it, uh, but why a fourth term? Well, when I came off the stage in 2019 on election night, having won the third term, I really thought that was going to be the last one. But I also had no idea I'd be doing with dealing with two plus years of COVID. Once we get through that, then we had the mass shooting. Then we come through that a little bit better when we got the tops reopened and were able to address the food insecurity issues and mental health. And then we had the November snowstorm and the blizzard. And then we had even the Jason Arno incident, just how it affected the community. So a lot of the stuff that I had hoped to get accomplished in this third term just got pushed to the side. And we really weren't even able to do most of it until this year. Uh, I'll give you a good example of it is we started negotiations for the Buffalo Bills lease in 2019. I met with Kim Pagula and other members of her team. And I really thought we were going to pretty much get those, that negotiation done in 2020. And, and this season might have been the opening for a new football stadium. But it all got pushed to the side because of COVID. And then it got delayed because of health issues with Kim. So there's a lot of things that I just fully expected uh, would have moved along much further. And I'd be uh, able to have accomplished our Live Well Erie platform, continuation and finishing of the Renaissance Commerce Park at the Old Bethlehem Steel site. We would have gotten the Agricultural Industrial Park up and running in, in Angola that just couldn't move. So I'm running for one more term to finish the work, uh, to complete the best county possible. Uh, we've done great work. Unemployment's at the lowest rate ever. There's thousands of jobs available. It's not a jobs problem. We have a person's problem. Our tax rate's the lowest ever. Our population's going up. So I just want one more term to finish the work and then and say we, we left this community in better shape than when we took it. Now, I know uh, you were asked this on Channel 4 last week. Uh, say Brian Higgins' uh, seat opens up in the middle of this term. Would you step down to run for Congress? Well, uh, first off, I hope Brian doesn't re- resign. I hope he runs because he's a tremendous asset to our community. He's now a senior member of Congress. He's 20 years in, and the Congress works on seniority. You don't get power. You don't get the availability of bringing more grants and things to your community uh, if uh, if you're a first-year congressman. So I really hope Brian doesn't leave. Uh, I know people are probably thinking, oh, you're a politician. You just want to jump up. But I like the role as county executive. You're the leader of the community. Uh, and I've had a, I've had a, 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 a not always perfect. There's days in which it's difficult, uh, but my intention is to serve out my full term. Uh, I, I if if an opportunity arose, I'd have to consider it. I, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I wouldn't. 
But if you look at my record, I get asked this every time I've run. My first term, second term, and third term, oh, Mark's going to go somewhere else. And here I still am as county executive. So I think I'm a man of my word when it comes to it. Looking back, now you kind of set it up perfectly in your answer, um, of the last four years here in Erie County, obviously COVID was the biggest, the most time-consuming. Looking back at COVID, is there anything you would have done differently um, in the decisions that you made? Well, you learn things along the way. Uh, if you remember what when we first entered into the shutdown, not just locally but nationally and worldwide, things were really bad. New York City was horrible. Italy was in terrible sh- uh, straits. We were starting to see the same things here where the hospitals were getting inundated. Uh, I remember the first death we had. It was an older woman. And then we had three deaths, including a younger woman. And then it was nine deaths. And then it was 13. It's like, oh, my God. I had a slip of paper that I because we had given a calculation as to how many people would die in Erie County if we hadn't shut down in six months if half of Erie County's population caught COVID. And it was 6,454 people. We've had more than 3,000 pass since March of 2020 to March of 23. It's still way too many people who were lost, but we didn't have 6,000. So the actions we took early on were appropriate. Uh, We've learned things since then, especially about schools and how COVID transfers through the air. It's one of the reasons why we bought an air cleaner for every classroom in Erie County is uh, we know that we can protect students and protect teachers if you have good airflow. And so we bought uh, air cleaners, massive good air cleaners for every classroom to ensure that if something bad happened again, we wouldn't have to shut down schools. So in the initial stuff, I'll never apologize for what we did early on because it saved lives. We've learned things that we didn't know then. And uh, as a result, I think we're better prepared if something bad like COVID should happen again in the future. During the, the reopening, right, the first reopening in 2020, I remember being at a restaurant, and again, you sit down, you take, everyone has their mm-hmm, mask off, yes. um, and I remember county officials coming in, um, and people in the kitchen didn't have their mask on, that owner got fined and had to shut down. Do you think, now looking back, with people knowing we're in an atmosphere, in a, in a place where I can take my mask off to eat, I mean, that's a risk you're, you're taking. Do you, do you see it that way? Well, the problem is, is you could share it with the person at the table, even if they're six feet away. And so early on, remember, we didn't have vaccines. That summer, when they, when they first started to reopen a little bit, we did not have vaccines. We really still didn't have good treatments. Uh, we didn't get vaccines really till the fall and winter of 20. Uh, so we, we were still dealing with a virus that was pretty much untreatable. Uh, now we have vaccines. Now we have treatments that seem to work. I mean, I, I got covid uh, this past December, I think, and I got Paxlovid. And uh, if you catch COVID, you should get Paxlovid because it's there to treat the initial attack of COVID in your system. Uh, so I look at it this way is that, uh, once again, we've learned a lot through the, through, through the three years. And it has been three plus years because it started, well, really before March of 20, but we started to see it in March of 20 here. Uh, And then we had a full year of basically dealing with it without proper remedies and and vaccines. And then we started getting vaccines, uh, and it took a while to vaccinate a good enough portion of the population. It's just uh, – it's one of those learning on the fly. You you hear the adage, oh, they're they're building the airplane while flying it. Well, you're never going to build an airplane while flying it because that airplane is going to crash. 
but it was something similar as the health uh, authorities were learning more about COVID. That information was being passed on to officials as to what were the best thing to do. Uh, and, I, and I think the, the best way you can describe it is since then, we've learned new things that we would apply uh, in the future. You can't go back in time. Uh, but I, I think what we did was appropriate for the times because of what we were facing and also the size of our community. Our population is large. Erie County has a population greater than five states, and it's very densely uh, concentrated. For example, we got a bigger population than than Wyoming and, and South Dakota, and those are thousands and thousands of square miles. Well, we, we got basically 1,200 square miles in the same or larger population. So we're protecting not only the individual themselves, but also the greater community. And what I was very proud of of the community early on is, is people felt that too, is like, I don't want to get sick for myself, but I also want to get sick for my family member or my neighbor who could die then. Uh, somewhere along the line, that seemed to disappear. But early on, we were all in this together, and I think it, was, uh, it said a lot about our community. Last question on this. Uh, small businesses that unfortunately went during COVID, do you think there's a better way that could have been handled so we didn't lose small business here in Erie County? Well, we didn't lose as many small businesses as other areas because we invested $20 million in a program uh, to assist small businesses. If people remember, the federal government had the PPP program, which was a loan that turns into a grant, uh, but it primarily went to large businesses. There was really no small business assistance uh, on a federal or state level, so that's why we created the, the Small Business Assistance Program where we were providing grants to small businesses, uh, and we, we provided approximately $20 million in grants up front. Since then, we're doing the storefront revitalization grants and the like. Uh, the interesting thing is I believe uh, I saw a statistic not too long ago that says we actually have more small businesses today than we did pre-COVID. Uh, it's just changed. I mean, I remember when I practiced law, uh, I had a lot of people come in and say, hey, I want to build a small business. I'm like, great. Uh, do you have uh, 18 uh, months worth of <clears throat> uh, money set aside to pay for your mortgage and these other things? Because the vast majority of small businesses fail. I'm disappointed <clears throat> that any small business failed. Uh, but we spent a lot of money to try to save as many as possible. And, and our, our community is thriving today. And it's just not here. It happened everywhere. It happened all across the country. I remind folks, we couldn't visit Canada. We couldn't go across the border to see our friends and neighbors in Canada. They had it so bad that if they were outside taking a walk, they could have been fined. So if think, people think we had it bad here, that was much worse in other places. Uh, and it, you know what? We saved lives. That's what it was all about, was saving lives. Let's move to the, uh, to the Bill Stadium because we're almost to a break, and uh, I want more time for the blizzard. The Bill Stadium, I think, and your opponent said it on Channel 4, uh, the Bill Sta- I think we all agree the Bills need to stay in western New York, and uh, I, I would say a majority of people, if not everybody, is happy that the Bills are in uh, western New York. How did that deal get done, and how sure are you that if it hadn't, the Bills would not be in Buffalo? Well... And we've talked about this before on your program. Uh, I negotiated the lease for the extension that expires this year after the end of the season. And since that point, when we negotiated in 2013, uh, three NFL teams have moved, San Diego, St. Louis, and Oakland, all much larger markets than Buffalo. And what I was hearing is that other markets want a football team. The NFL is not, give, is, is not expanding with new teams. Teams, the only way you get a new team is if somebody moves their team. 
And we knew that San Diego was building the stadium for San Diego State University on the site of the old Jack Kent Cook Stadium. It's 45,000 seats, but it's expandable by another 25,000 seats. Why? They're not expanding it for the Aztecs. <laughs> They're expanding it if they get an NFL team. And we knew San Diego was very interested in getting an Elf team. We heard Austin was interested. That's a huge community that is growing uh, that does not have an NFL team. Uh, Orlando was in the mix. And they have a stadium, uh, not the greatest stadium now, like the Florida Citrus Bowl, but they got a stadium where an NFL team could play while they build a new one. Uh, so we, if we told the Pagulas go build it on your own, they would have moved. Uh, I, I think a lot of fans uh, just disregard the modern NFL, which is a big business. And I give the Pagulas credit because they didn't move in the long run. Uh, they could make a lot more money elsewhere if they had moved. But uh, if we just told them to build it on their own, they weren't going to do that. And I feel very confident that if we had done, if we had done that, this would be the last season of the Buffalo Bills. But we got a deal done, and it's a fair deal. It's basically 50-50. Now that the price has gone up and the Pagulas are responsible for all cost overruns, the governments are paying 50%, of which the county is only paying 14% of the total amount, and the Pagulas will be paying the other 50%. So I think it's a fair deal, and we get a lot of benefits in the long run as a result of it, including the community benefit agreement of $100 million. The next closest community benefit agreement is $6 million. It's a good deal for our community, and most importantly, the bills will be here basically for the rest of my life. Do you think the Bagulas would have moved, though? I mean, they own the Sabres in Buffalo. They, they bought the bills to keep them in Buffalo. Do you think that was a possibility, or more likely they would have sold the bills? Well, if they sold the bills, I think they definitely would have moved at that point. Uh, they were getting a lot of pressure. I mean, Jerry Jones does not want a team in Buffalo. It's as simple as that. Robert Kraft in New England, I don't think he really wants a team in Buffalo. What you have to remember is the modern NFL, there's a lot of shared revenue. When you go to the football stadium, uh, that money just doesn't all go to the owner of the team. It gets shared among the other 29 owners. And they make a lot more money elsewhere. I was talking to folks about the cost to attend a football game in some of these other markets. It's different. It's not only the price of the ticket. I mean, people complain about a, a, a can of beer here and the price. That's true. But in other markets, they don't want you to buy a can of beer. They want you to buy a $250 bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon and have a steak while watching a football game. That's not going to happen in Buffalo. But it happens in other markets. And guess what? If you buy two bottles or two cans of beer at $18 a can... That's 36 bucks. Which do you think they make more on, the $250 bottle of Cabernet or the two beer beers? So they want to be in these bigger markets where they make more money. And there's a reason why Jacksonville's playing so much in London. Their owner is a, is a London oil sheik. Don't be surprised if in the next five years that team is in London and outside of Jacksonville. Why? Because they'll make more money there. The um, PSL, I know that's not in the counties, uh, under the county's control, but do you have a, a limit that you'd like to see set on the PSLs in the new stadium? Um, well, you're right. It isn't under our control. And we talked about it during the negotiations, and the bills would not discuss what they were willing to charge, but they also know they can't overcharge in this market. I'll give you an example. Uh, <laughs> if you were to buy tickets between the 40 lot yard lines, uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, Santa Clara uh, Stadium, or Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. The PSLs are $80,000. Wow. That's never going to happen here, but that's the modern NFL. 
Uh, could they get $10,000 for a PSL between the 40-yard lines? Possibly, especially if it's paid out over an 8- to 10-year period. And the one thing about PSLs I will remind everybody is it's yours. If you sell the tickets, if you want to turn them in, you actually sell the PSL to the next person so you get the money back. Uh, I, they're not going to be like 80000 They're probably going to be more like what Viking Stadium did in Minneapolis where you might have to pay a PSL of 500 1000 or 2000 and that's yours. So if you decide to sell the tickets in the future, you can sell the PSL and get your money back. Uh, I do see that as happening. Uh, I just know the, the bills feel like there's a cap uh, in this in this market that they just can't go above. And so are they going to get the PSLs like uh, uh, Dallas or San Francisco or New York City? No. It's probably going to be more like uh, what you see in Minneapolis and uh, in some areas like Cincinnati. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Mark, before we get to Blizzard, which is uh, another big topic of the last four years, uh, the Buffalo News editorial uh, put an article in endorsement of you today. Uh, What does that mean to you? Well, having appeared before the Buffalo News editorial board uh, before and not always gotten their endorsement uh, when I've run, it it is nice because they highlighted the accomplishments of my administration, the things that I've done. Uh, they, They took some serious criticism to my opponent as well. Uh, for things that I've noted on the campaign trail with regards to her Twitter account that she previously deleted, but we were able to find the tweets. Uh, When you're running to be county executive, you need to uh, represent all the community. You don't always have to agree on issues, but you need to represent all the community, and that's why you go to all the community forums. I went before the editorial board. It appears my opponent didn't. Uh, I went to legal voters' events. She didn't. 
the black journalist debate that was scheduled to be held. They offer three dates. She refused to do it. You know what? Uh, if you're running for county executive, you need to go to these things and talk to the, the people. And I, I truly believe that the editorial board not only liked the work that I did, but they were disappointed that she wasn't even willing to talk to them uh, or go to the in these other public forums and talk to the voters because, as I say, when you're running to be the executive of Erie County, you're running to represent 950,000 people in areas as diverse as Kaisertown and Lovejoy and Buffalo uh, to Delavan Grider areas in Buffalo to Sardinia and, and Collins in the south part of the county. And uh, you may not always agree with people, regardless of where you are in this community, but you do have to understand that the people are your bosses and you need to get out there and talk to them if you're running for this office. And that's something I've done. I'm proud of the endorsement and I'm proud of our work. And, but it's just that. It's just an endorsement. The real endorsement will come on Election Day when all the votes are cast. The Buffalo News laid off 130 people uh, just a month ago. Yep. Have you talked to them about that? Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, the local folks were devastated about it. Uh, unfortunately, Lee Enterprises, which is not based in Buffalo, made a decision for a corporate matter. Uh, I know from uh, talking to the publisher and the editor-in-chief, they were very upset. It was not a decision that was done locally. It was a corporate decision to save money. I think it was stupid. It's also resulted in when you get the paper in the morning, if something happens in the evening, like a Bills game or a Sabres game, you don't even have the results in it. Uh, it's it's definitely come back to uh, to haunt them. I think they're losing some subscriptions as a result of it. Uh, I would I know the press is still there. I think if the Buffalo News wants to rebuild those subscription base, they should rehire those people and put those presses back to work. Uh, but, yeah, I talked to them multiple times. I know the governor did as well. Unfortunately, the uh, chairman of Lee Enterprises, who's not in Buffalo, lives elsewhere, I think they're actually in the Midwest, said this was a corporate decision and they're not changing it. And, and that's very disappointing because uh, not only were people laid off, but it's affecting the ability of the newsreader to actually get accurate news. That's right. Live and local right here, seven days a week on WBEN. Uh, Mark, the blizzard, obviously, we're still getting over that. I spent three days right here in the studio that we're uh, sitting in. What lessons were learned from the blizzard that left 47 dead? Well, you know, one of the things that we, we learned is that communication, we always know matters, but using the right language. One of the things that was being said by the Weather Service, which was shared by us, is this is a, will be a once-in-a-generation storm. I don't think people truly understood what that meant. I remember the blizzard of 77. I was nine years old when it hit. Uh, ironically, the, it's hit on January 28, 1977. I know that date because it was my parents' 10th anniversary. <laughs> and they had, a, they had a nice little dinner that they were going to do, but Dad was stuck at Bethlehem Steel for a number of days. Uh, and that storm was longer, but it wasn't as ferocious as this one. Uh, we basically had a Category 5 blizzard. It was the equivalent of a Category 1 hurricane because of the wind speeds. I think a lot of people just felt, well, we're Buffalo. We can handle snow. We can handle blizzards. We've, I, that was the fifth blizzard I've dealt with in my administration, and we've gotten through other blizzards really fine. And that doesn't even include the two superstorms that dro dropped seven feet of snow because neither of those were officially blizzards. So if, if we had gotten the message out, you cannot go out in the storm. It will kill you. I think it might have saved a few more lives. We lost a bunch of people as a result of power outages. Not power lines being down, but substations that literally froze. There were giant icicles. And uh, I know talking to the National Grid representatives, they had never seen that before. And they've got substations in, like, Sweden 
in, in areas like that because they're a European country or European company. Uh, I, I just one of the things that you that we do in, in emergency service planning is prepare for the worst, hope for the best. And we were prepared. The problem is the storm was so bad we couldn't send emergency personnel out. That was not a decision that was made by me. That was a decision made by the emergency personnel folks themselves because it was too dangerous for them to go out. Uh, we had emergency personnel that had to be rescued by other emergency personnel uh, just because of how bad the conditions were. Uh, it was one of those storms that I hope our community never goes through again, but if we do, uh, we'll be better prepared not only to communicate to people uh, using the emergency uh, iPod system to go directly to their phones, but also uh, we bought more tracked vehicles. We had tracked vehicles, but even in the situation where the tracked vehicles don't know where they're going, you can't get them out at the worst part of the storm. So we learned a lot. We learned about how bad the storms could really get here. Uh, we thought we saw it all. We didn't. And uh, as the person who would announce most of those deaths, because they would come across my desk, and then as the county executive, it's your responsibility to give good and bad news. And unfortunately, I had to announce some of those deaths. It was horrible. Many of those individuals, because they couldn't get them to funeral parlors, were in cold storage trailers behind our emergency operations center in Cheektowaga. I watched my staff move the bodies. I saw some of the bodies. I still have a vision of a gentleman who died, unfortunately, outside, and all he was wearing was a Buffalo Bills sweatshirt. It was horrible, and let's hope we never go through it again. But if we do, uh, we have a really good team to help get our community through and partners to do it as well. I know this was asked in the Channel 4 debate, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But obviously during that, uh, you and Mayor Brown had a disagreement. Uh, it, do you guys have a working relationship? For the oh, yeah. I talked to the mayor a couple of days ago. I talked to him about the shooting on the 190. Uh, the county sat ready to assist through our crime services lab. Uh, and, and we're good. I mean, the, the mayor supports me. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes I, I, I hearken it to uh, I have two younger brothers. I don't know if anybody, if you got a brother, uh, people know if you got brothers, occasionally you fight, but you patch it back up because, hey, you're brothers. You got to be there. But occasionally you get in a, minor, a, a battle or two. My brother Rob knows that because when we were younger, we used to battle like hell, but <laughs> we get through it now. Uh, because we got to work together and we're brothers. So, but Mayor and I are fine. Uh, I was a Buffalo resident. I was just disappointed in how long it was taking to open up the city. But the county came in and helped with the state. We got it open up in 36 hours, basically. We spent $5 million to do it. Took a lot of, lot of effort, but we got it open in a very short period of time. And we stand ready to assist the city once again. Uh, we can't be the, the sole provider of, of snow removal in the city of Buffalo, but if it gets bad, uh, like we do with other communities, we'll help out. Uh, our primary responsibility is the 1,200 centerline miles of county roads, and we can't even do those on our own. We actually contract with the towns to assist us. I don't think most people realize it. The town supervisors know it. The town highway superintendents know it, but we pay them to assist to plow our 1,200 centerline miles of roads. We have to over 2,400 miles of blacktop that we own and control in Erie County government. And our first responsibility is to ensure that those roads are open. If once we get those open, like we did in the blizzard, we can assist others as well. I know this isn't a county question, but you mentioned the freezing of the uh, uh, substations. Does that ca cast doubt on Governor Hochul's move away from uh, gas? Uh, I don't think so because we learned how to handle it. National Grid has learned how to harden those stations. Uh, they didn't... <laughs> What ended up happening is the, the wind was blowing so hard, the, the snow 
if you know, most substations actually are open on the sides or partially open to allow heat to escape from the transformers because they get so hot. They're worried mostly about overheating. But what ended up happening is they let, we got so cold and the wind was blowing the snow in, it just formed like a layer on it. Normally it would melt off, but it was happening so quickly it formed an ice layer. Well, we've learned and we've worked with them on how to harden the, sta the stations to protect them so they can put temporary barriers up to keep the snow and ice from building up on the transformers. So I don't think it will be an issue now because we learned how to address it. Uh, and, and that's good because National Grid has given us our, their word to us that if the recommendations are and the weather looks like it's going to be that bad again, uh, they're going to go out there and put those uh, devices on the substations to protect them. In August, obviously, um, the migrant situation, uh, you put a pause on it. We have some a mile away from the station here. Uh, my question to you is how would that have been handled differently? And should we have a different way of handling um, asylum seekers in this country? Well, it, this is a federal problem that requires a federal solution. So we do need to have a different way, but it can't be done at the local level. It requires it to be done on the national level. And it's already started. The Biden administration offered temporary protected status to Venezuelans. If you know anything about what's going on in Venezuela, that is a country that is basically uh, just a disaster right now. Uh, there was a great Buffalo News story about a police officer, Venezuelan police officer, who brought his family up here because he felt like he was going to die or they were going to hold his family hostage, uh, drug lords, because his partner was shot. Uh, so uh, what? And the nice thing about the temporary protected status, it allows the Venezuelans to be able to work very soon instead of waiting the six months. Uh, yeah, th this is a national problem. It requires action from both the Biden administration and Congress. Thank God we got a, a Speaker of the House now so the Congress can actually act. Uh, it was really kind of a disaster there for three weeks. Uh, what we've done is... Uh, when, when they came being paid for by New York City, uh, we demanded that New York City partner with uh, a local refugee resettlement agency. Because on any annual year, we'll have over 2,000 refugees, asylum seekers, immigrants come into our community and be handled by the various agencies. Jericho Road, which runs Vive, uh, Journeys on Refugee Services, International Institute, Catholic Charities, Jewish Family Services are the big ones. There's some smaller ones, but they handle the vast majority that come through on, a, on an annual basis. So 500 asylum seekers on its own shouldn't be a problem for our community. Uh, what became a problem is the one that was running the operations at the hotel was a not a local organization. Uh, Jericho Road was hired to assist with the asylum seekers' uh, immigration status. It was a the one that was doing the major work was a New York City company called DocGo. We had assurances about what DocGo was doing at the hotels, and we found out since then that's not the case. Uh, and the biggest one was on security. They said, oh, we're hiring security officers. They literally were hiring people off a of Craigslist at minimum wage to become a security officer, not an actual trained security officer. So it's one of the reasons why the governor requires the National Guard to be at all DOCCO locations across New York State, not just here in Erie County. So we've learned some things uh, that if we had known early on uh, would have at least changed the way we would have gone about it. Uh, if they had hired any one of the refugee resettlement agencies to do the work that they did, go, it would have gone completely differently. Thank God they have Jericho Road and its partners working together on getting these individuals their, their legal status through the immigration process uh, because they know what they're doing. 
but I'm just disappointed how it went down. I did talk to Mayor Eric Adams after the second incident. Those two individuals need to be held responsible for the crimes. I told Mayor Adams, uh, until you resolve the security issues, no new uh, asylum seekers. We're down to about 530 asylum seekers right now. Uh, And with the Venezuelans being able to work soon, uh, or already working, I think some of them actually already gotten their work papers, uh, that'll really help because it'll get those people out of the hotels and then they'll start getting apartments, they'll, they'll, they'll make money, they'll pay taxes. There was a crazy rumor out there that I got asked at a forum. Uh, we hear that the asylum seekers, once they work, won't have to pay taxes. They will have to pay taxes. They'll have to pay local taxes. They'll have to pay uh, income taxes to the state and federal government. Uh, even though they, they're not citizens. So I think it's important to know that uh, as it moves along, it's gotten better. What happens if, you know, because this is while they're waiting uh, asylum, what if they don't get asylum? What if they get denied? Well, then they get removed from the country. We and know, they, and we then know, they get deported. We know where each of them are in, the, in this well, county? In, in this situation, they're at the hotels, and they have to report. They have an immigration officer they have to report to. Uh, and if they don't, if they don't report, then they basically can be immediately deported. So what we've seen is these people want to stay in our country. They want to become American citizens. And as such, they report to their immigration officer. They talk to their uh, uh, case manager who's at uh, Jericho Road to ensure, okay, I don't want to miss one, my immigration court date. I mean, this, this is something we're, we do well here. Uh, we, we, we do immigration assimilation very well here to the point where uh, it, we're known across the country as being a, a, a place that can handle 2,000 immigrants a year. So if we got 20,000, that would be a problem. That's why 500 asylum seekers is not, in the grand scheme of things, a big thing for a community as large as ours when we are handling more than 2,000 annually. I got two more questions, and these are things you've been asked before. Um, but the police report uh, in August, was what is in that report accurate? I'm just going to say I've talked about it multiple times, Joe. Uh, when I'm going out on the campaign trail, I'm talking about people, uh, talking to people about the issues like inflation and and other things. Uh, it, it, and, and I'm moving on. Uh, I wouldn't be in the seat today if 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 uh, I had committed a crime that I've been accused of by some of the Republican operatives, which are just horrible, horrible accusations that that are that's just not true. And last thing, you've been promoting this uh, website, ChrissyTweets.com, right? Who put that website together? Uh, that website, I believe, is done by the Democratic Party. No outside sources? Uh, not to my knowledge. Because uh, would you say on Twitter that there are people, maybe supporters of yours, whose tweets could be classified as repugnant? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. It happens on both sides. I'm not going to deny that. I've, as I just talked about, I saw some of the stuff that's been said about me is just horrible. I've, had, I've dealt with lies my entire career, uh, and it— it just doesn't stop. But, uh, yeah, there's there's repugnant and horrible things that are posted uh, on social media. I think the thing about the ChrissyTweets.com that people need to understand is those were her own words. This was her own Twitter account. It's not like they created things. I mean, she's not denied that these were her tweets. So what she th- deleted the account thinking they weren't to be seen, but this is a teachable moment for anyone out there. Once you post something on the Internet, it's on servers. It's all over the world, and it can be found. And it was found. And what, what the, that, that uh, page shows are just her tweets. And you can be the judge of whether or not uh, they're, they're abhorrent or, or repugnant. Uh, but I think it's important for the public to at least know that they exist. That's why I've talked about it. 
uh, because if you're running to be the leader of a community as diverse as ours, as large as ours, urban, suburban, rural, uh, many very varying different uh, uh, backgrounds and groups, uh, people deserve to know where you stand and what you believe in. And uh, these were her own words. There's a lot of stuff that's shared on social media that are lies. It's morally repugnant on both sides. That I will not deny. And, and it's unacceptable. It, it is totally unacceptable. But if I say something to you, I should be held accountable for it. If she posts something on Twitter, she should be held accountable for it. Final question. I said two. I meant three. Final question. <laughs> um, and, and this is one I was asked. To, I'd be very interested to hear this. Will you appear on David Bellavia's show? Uh, you know, I, I like to appear on news shows. I think David is an opinion. I like David. I don't, I don't dislike him. But I, I generally don't ap- appear on any of the opinion shows, per se. And it's an opinion show. And he says that. He'll say that repeatedly. This is my opinion. Uh, so I, I generally try to stick to the news shows. I feel that this show is a hard news show. You ask legitimate questions. You're fair. Uh, and, and that's why throughout the years I've, I've almost never appeared on any of those shows. I have a, a sometimes appeared on them during, like, snowstorms and disasters because I think it's important to get accurate information out there, whether it's David or Tom or, in the past, Sandy. I may disagree with them on political stances, but if there's a bad snowstorm going on, I'm not going to ignore their show to get accurate information out to the public. But just on the day-to-day stuff, uh, yeah, I, I generally try to avoid the opinion shows. All right. Mark Polonkars, county executive. Uh, early voting started yesterday, goes right through Election Day, where Election Day, 6 to 9, you can vote. And, uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us this morning and giving us the full hour. It's my pleasure. And uh, make sure you get out there and vote. As you said, early voting today through uh, the Sunday, next Sunday. And then there's the day off. And then Monday, Election Day, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And no matter what, get out there and vote. It's your voice. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 